Welcome to the Bread Box with Gabriel Wolf. That's me, and this is my show. Welcome to my show, man. All right, so many of you out there may be wondering, what the hell is the Bread Box, and what is Gabe up to? Well, the Bread Box is a podcast of musicians, vocalists, and all folks musically inclined, where I get to hang out with people many times more talented than myself. In fact, this is really just my way of getting cool people to hang out with me. But seriously, I feel honored to have the opportunity to converse with them on a range of topics in and outside of music. And uh, I feel grateful for people like you who are donating your time and attention to listen to and support these conversations. And I hope that what we have to offer is entertaining, informative, engaging, and as fun for you as I hope it will be for us. So here we go. Episode one of Bread Box. Robert Dove, saxophone player. Uh, you can find Robert at, you have a website? Yeah. Um, uh, RobDoveJazz.com. That would be it. Uh, you're at Twitter at, at RDJazz9013. Mm-hmm. You can also find him on Instagram at RDJazz726. Yes. He also has a ReverbNation.com mm-hmm. forward slash Robert Dove, all yep. lowercase. And you have a LinkedIn site. Jesus Christ, dude. I don't play games. Man, you are. If, now, if you would only update this shit. Yeah. <laughs> That would be the big. That would be the crux of the matter. The problem is, is when you're spread out so wide, you forget things fall through the cracks from time to time. Right. That's a lot to keep up with. That's why you gotta have, you know, like those. those I actually forgot media, my Twitter was even running. Media people. Yeah. Right. It is, and it's hooked up to something else that's got some weird. Probably like, Reverb Nation, where it's like you've got a show on this date and this date and this date. Go click this link. Yeah, and your calendar is empty on your website. Oh, well, so I'm that sorry about that, man. No gigs. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, we're working on that. So we've got a couple things in the pipe right now. It's just I can't put anything out until I'm confirmed. All right. Are we in daylight time or standard time? <clears throat> Are we daylight time right now? Let's see. We we fell back not long ago, and we're going to spring forward okay, soon. So, so I don't yeah. really know. Oh, how so what, whatever the time, you know what satellite time says, it's seven to nine. They ought to get rid of that shit. I don't even understand why we still have it. Wasn't it made for like farmers or something, and like so they could get to the farm place on time? I heard and sell something. I heard some about that, and then there was also a rumor about like kids in Minnesota not having to wait in the dark for the school bus or something like that in the middle of winter. <laughs> Which I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense, but it's going to be negative something. Regardless, yeah, I think so, we ought to just get rid of it. Yeah. I, I think there's some senators like Al Franken or somebody yeah. like that. Sounds about right. It's gonna sounds like something <laughs> Al would call. <laughs> so. Hello, legislative branch. Here's a tangent for you. I think this was 2007. They decided to cancel the spring bear hunt, and where I used to go up in northern Canada, bears were a huge problem. We had black and brown bears that did not care if people were there. Um, And it was also for, I mean, understand that hunting, personally, I don't hunt. I have no desire to hunt. And people who do hunt, it's fine. I don't, I'm cool with it. It's like, whatever you do, as long as you do it sustainably and you do what you need to do, but do it in a, in a good manner. That's all I can ask for. Um, But like with this bear hunt, we were having problems with, they were thinking from stuff in Southern province, which there's not many bears down there. And they're going, Oh, well the numbers are getting thinned way too thin, but they have to remember up North, they need food to survive, Mm -hmm. um, which is, it's just fine. And, but there's a lot of bears up there, a lot of bears, um, to the point where like I would be going out fishing. I'm on a, I'm in the middle of a lake on a boat and I have to wear bells 
Like that's that's the type of stuff we're dealing with. And and I remember them. I remember coming to camp and and Denny, who is the guy who ran the camp, just this old salty Northern Canadian, like still blew up beaver dams with dynamite type cat. Has a <laughs> has a fifty. I want to say it's a fifty six Bel Air that he completely restored to a tuxedo black and white. It's beautiful. But he did it. This is how he transports his explosives. Yeah, he did. He did it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and and then he puts nice. it in a in an ugly metal boat, and then goes throws like a triple cherry bomb on top of a beaver dam because the water level is too high. Uh-huh. And that's how he does it. Um, and every once in a while, you hear this like two miles downrange, and it's like, what's that? It's like, oh, it's just Denny blowing things up again. It's nothing new. It's he is literally the personified version. If you've ever seen the TV show on PBS called Red Green, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. that's Denny to a T. Oh man, duct tape for everything, dynamite for everything else. <laughs> Red Green. How about that for a blast from the past? It was on PBS. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I remember that guy. Yep. I didn't get it at first. I was, I was a little too young. Keep your stick on the ice. <laughs> oh my god, I used to watch that religiously. Um, because we had the reruns of it when I was living in Ohio. So I grew up watching him as a kid all the way through. Yeah. You pretty much, if you come to a bear, you're, you're Just, shit out of luck. There's that. Luckily we don't have bears down here anymore. We used to have bears, but there's no bears. Yeah. But anyway, so, so they took away, uh, the, the hunting up mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of a drag. I don't know if I got reinstated because I kind of lost contact with what was going on, but, okay. um, it was funny cause I was actually on a trip in my high school from Ohio. And we actually went to uh, Parliament. We went to the, a show to see Parliament. No, no, no. That's the point. <laughs> no we went. We went to. We went to Canada's Parliament. Um, and I actually Rob got, was not amused. No, I, 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 I acknowledge the joke. Um, um, that was but, the biggest eye roll I think I've seen. Oh come on! I'm not that bad. <laughs> You know, we've really gone off on a tangent here. Yeah, we're talking about bear. bears and stuff. No, so um. But it was funny because right after that bear hunt got canceled, I actually went to Parliament as on a tour, and I actually found the representative for that part of the province, and I actually chewed around <laughs> about voting for it. Nice. And then there was actually a a uh, a six week hunt that was put on in the spring the next year, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it was it probably wasn't because of me, but there was like, it was, I was like one little stick that decided to break the branch. So right. It's like, right. I was, I said my piece as the ex, as, as the wanting to be a Canadian at the time. I was like, you're being an idiot. And I fought the big man as a person that wasn't even a person there and it, and it worked. So it was, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Well, it's something to feel good about. Yeah. Something to write home about. Right. Right. Funny. The end of the world is coming. It's Armageddon, I tell you. Man, this whole thing, you know, what's up? Yeah. What, are, are you preparing for the end? Are you think, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I really don't know. Um, I'm really just going to focus as an artist to try to allow people to enjoy the lives that they have. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm concerned, um, especially as somebody who comes from a family of teachers and engineers, which is science and education, and myself as an artist, it's it's a very difficult time for our family right now, um, especially with, I mean, my father was a two-time Ohio Teacher of the Year, so, I mean, he's been working mm. with people in D.C. extensively, and... He was a social studies teacher. He was teacher, a seventh-grade yeah. social studies yeah, yeah. teacher for 30, 
God, he's going to shoot me for this because I can't remember. I think it's 34 years. Dude, the guy's a saint. Seventh graders. Seventh and eighth graders, man. Oh, Oh, he's the biggest 12-year-old you'll ever meet. He's great. I love him to death. So, um, no, but so we've, we've had some interesting discussions about that. And have, have you personally been hit by like, like Trump supporters giving you a hard time over anything? Or? No, no, I really haven't. Um, I've kind of pretty much just kept my mouth shut and stayed with the music for me, uh-huh. um, which I know is not very an active role, but I feel for right now, I, I come from the rule of I have nothing nice to say, so I'm just going to keep quiet. Oh, such a good boy. Speaking of that, I mean, don't, don't you think that uh, ever since he's he's been our president-elect, it really seems like people are much more uh, inhibited or uninhibited to, like, just really cut into others. Oh, yeah. And it's, just be it's outright mean. Yeah, I thought, I mean, during the Obama administration, I thought that people were very polarized. I now think that that was not even remotely close to true compared to what I've seen over the past couple couple months. Oh, yeah. The past month. Oh, it's oh, just yeah. people are completely forthright. And um, there there are some things to that where it's positive. I have to admit it. But there are some things to that where it's negative. So the positive outcome is like, well, we really see how people are. So right. people aren't really holding back a whole lot. But in the negative side, I mean, we've all seen it. Yeah. Um, and, and I just really hope and pray for the future of us as a people, us as a country, us as a as a as a global society. Um. I, I hope that everything works out for the best um, with the cards that we've... I can't say that we've been dealt because we dealt them ourselves. Um, but it's 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 very interesting to... As somebody who does also follow political science, it's it's very interesting to observe what's happening. It's the smarty pants. Let's talk about Grossmont. 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 What a... Funky place, man. Hey, it's cool, man. That's what I'm saying. It's the house That's of music. That's what I'm saying. I love the smell of that place, of the music. It's like it's got like that. home. Yeah, it's got that musty, got moldy, that spitty kind of, you know. And it's the, the stuff's happened here yeah. smell. When you get into the practice rooms, it smells like sweat and mold, and it's like, oh, yeah, this, this, this is, is what, what it's supposed to be. What, <laughs> this, is what yeah, this is what a practice room's yeah. supposed to smell like, man. Yeah, all right. And uh, in your roomie? Yeah. Our, our guy? Derek Cannon, Mr. DC. Derek Cannon? Can't say enough good things about him. Fantastic, man. You know, uh, I miss his shiny bald head, man. <laughs> I see it every day. No, man, I, I, he's he's absolutely fantastic. And I'm that's I'm, what isn't that where we met? Isn't that when I first his, met you was at, at Grossmont when you were coming yes, to work under the bands? Yes, it, uh, it was. I was yeah. I was subbing for somebody that was out sick and Derek or Isaac called Isaac Pastrana called me to come in and help. Yeah. And I think I was playing like Barry or something. Yeah, Which, man, I, I am I am so happy that that um, that I lost my job and decided to go back to school for a year and participated in, in that and the, as best that I could at the time. You know, for one year I was I was full time student. Yeah, and then the second year I just kind of kind of not so much. <laughs> well, I just kind of helped out with the band, but not but I wasn't that much of a help to be honest with you. Oh, stop. Um, but. No, it was great because, uh, well, first of all, I, I went there because of Derek. I kind of yeah. sought him out. I, I knew about his trumpet playing and all. And then it was icing on the cake that John Reynolds was there. Mm-hmm. So I got to work with both, you know, as you know, with Derek. Two very Cannon different and, styles. Yeah, two great trumpet players that I, I learned a lot from and just mm-hmm. kind of sponged off of. Yep. And playing in the bands, we kind of had the gamut of ability. You know, you had it was people that were right. really learning and at the beginning of their journey 
And then those of us who have, you know, who've been doing it for doing it longer for, than some of them have been, been alive. alive. Exactly. So, and it was it was challenging. And and to yeah. be honest with you, man, you know, there were some other trumpet players that that I tried because we always had a hard time finding trumpet players. Oh well, yeah. You know, there were guys in town that I I approached. And was like, hey, man, you should come do this. And quite honestly, I kind of got like. They kind of looked down their noses yeah, at it. Yeah, they got the vibe. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you, yeah, it's a community call. You have no idea, though. First of all, you know, the, the, the charts, at least from a trumpet standpoint, were very difficult. Yeah. It was very challenging Well, saxophones, music. they weren't no walk in the park either. But but uh, but Grossmont, you know, and, yeah. and that's where we met Zach. Is a, no, it, it was challenging and it was fun and I, and I had a good time and I feel bad that, um, I you know, I didn't um, participate more in for longer, but, you know, things change. Life is life. This is, you know, especially for me. Yeah. But Grossmont is, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm saddened to see them struggle to try to keep uh, two bands going there. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing John having to call people all the time, you know, hey, guys, be sure to sign up for the class or they're going to drop it, getting people to show up to rehearsals and all that. because. Yeah. Some of those kids there have no idea the treasure trove of information and talent that they have sitting right in front of them, mm-hmm. willing to give to it help. all up and to help them. And now, now, some of the guys there are taking advantage of it, and that's great. And it's, it was cool to also see like some of the high school kids coming in yeah. and playing. Wow. Like Jerry and... There's some talent. Yeah. Johnny Steele and those Johnny's guys. Johnny's a freak of nature. Johnny is you actually know? one of my drummers that I use in my regular rotation now. Yeah. And Johnny you know, Steele is 16, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's, I know. He was 14 when I was playing yeah, with him. It, and just, he, it blew and my mind. And he's lighting people up. Yeah. He sounds amazing. And his hair. Right? <laughs> the dude's got swagger. It's ridiculous. And they've got Cameron. I wish Cameron could have come and played in the bands, mm-hmm. but, you know, I know. Cameron's still doing his thing. He's got he's got stuff going on as well. Jerry and played in the band. Yep. We had some. Uh, we had a singer. Didn't one of the singers come out? Wasn't she uh, Emma, Emma Foster? Emma. She was Emma one of John's Foster. kids, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And Still is one of John's kids. Total talent. Great. She sounds great. But uh, but yeah, Grossmont. You know, the first time I went to Grossmont, I went to a rehearsal for. Uh, it was in 2012 for the Jazz Cats. Have you played with those guys? No, I have not. But I know okay. of them. Yeah, it's Chas Cabrera's. Chas Cabrera is now writing for them. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's it's like Allison Adams, Tucker, and yeah. all those cats. That, that was a hoot. I played. Yeah, I played Chas one Chas show for him. I played one show for him at uh, Winston's. Yep. Really? Yeah, we played at Winston's, and that's when I first met Whitney Shea, who's a okay. incredible singer. Yes. Played at my wedding and all. Speaking of of really good people, uh, the uh, Avant Garde Music Company. Yes. AGMC. Yeah, man. Recent. Another another place without a trumpet teacher. Yes. But anyways, <laughs> give us the skinny on that thing. So we just opened um, four, I want to say it was four founders. I may be missing a couple, but um, uh, Antonio Grajeda, uh, Adrian Cisneros, Omar Lopez, and Louis Valenzuela mm-hmm. decided to open up a music company. Um, it was... From what I understand, it was kind of Tony Antonio. We call him Tony. It was Tony's uh, brainchild, and it was create a space for people in e- like Southeast County, so like Bonita, Chula Vista, and have it be a place where you can learn, you can create, and you can record. Um, so what's really cool is we actually opened this past week, and we're opening for lessons. So if you're interested in doing lessons and stuff, I'm actually one of the instructors over there. Um, I'm. It's kind of cool because I'm actually going back to the what this is going full circle. 
Um, I'm going back to teaching first year violin. Nice. I'm teaching beginner piano, um, which are I would argue are fundamentals as any musician. That's where we start one mm-hmm. way or the other. It's one of the two or both. Um, but I'm also teaching flute, clarinet, saxophone, jazz saxophone, and then I'm also working on a curriculum for jazz theory. Um, that starts from the very basic all the way up to reharmonization and big band writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I'm looking forward to teaching all of that. Um, but I'll be teaching lessons either one-on-one or class style. So I'll have like five or six kids to a, stu- to a studio space. Uh, but what's cool with it is each room, we have four separate classrooms and a master control recording room. Uh, the recording room is basically specifically for the audio engineer or if he's teaching a course on audio engineering, which we also offer through Pro Tools. Um, each room is soundproof, okay? But the other cool part about it is each room is also connected via PVC pipe through the walls so we can run XLRs, mm-hmm. which are microphone cables, which means that every classroom can also become an isolation booth. So we can do a modular rehearsal slash modular classroom setting where you can say, say we have a limited number of lessons on a Sunday morning, but we have a guy that needs two isolation booths and a recording studio to do a record. Well, you wire two of the classrooms and the recording studio, leave the other classroom quote unquote dead. The first classroom is the classroom where the lessons take place and the rest of the rooms are being used for recording. Mm -hmm. If you record a big band, each section has their own isolation room and the rhythm sections in the main recording studio. Um, or all four classrooms can be cl- just all four rooms can be classrooms. None of the four rooms can be classrooms. Two of the four can be three of the four can be one of the four can be. So it's absolute module, absolute modular construction, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and we tried it. We've, we've made it into a, a place where we have um, all the instructors. I think there's 13 of us at the moment. And we're all young professionals. So we are on the front edge of what's happening now in the music scene, mm-hmm. um, specifically in San Diego, because we're all San Diego artists. And this this is up and running. This is up and running. The doors this are just open. open this okay. week. Yeah, we finally got the windows in. Gotcha. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Um, we were waiting on the soundproof windows to come in um, from outside of California. So we got those all in and installed, and it's, it's running beautiful. Are you doing any, like, uh, electroacoustic um, not from what I understand. Like electric, like hooking your horn up to electronic, teaching people how to utilize that. And um, I actually don't utilize that, but I'm looking to do that soon. Um, it's just a matter of finding the, I mean, everybody has their own rig, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm figuring out the right rig for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because the big thing for me is I've worked so hard on my sound. I want to make sure that that's even going through mm-hmm. electro horn work if I'm going to be doing that. Sure, and that, that's where a lot of people get lost in that. That's yeah. why it's something you, that... It's a very big rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. Ready, I, so. Well, I did it for 20 years. Well, so fair play. I, I know. Fair play. <laughs> I, I made a lot of the mistakes. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult when you're working with technology that's not made for your instrument and you're trying to that's adapt tr- it. That's true. Now, there, there's been a lot of things that have gotten better with that. You know, um, yeah. The, the, like when I first started doing it, I was literally you know, taking a microphone a lapel mic and sticking it, shoving it inside of a Harman mute and then running that through pedals that were all for guitars and then out of like a Marshall half stack. Yeah. And you're dealing with feedback. Everything. And um, especially because you're playing in a loud situation and you've got a mic in front of an amp that's being distorted and everything else. So it's funny because the feedback actually becomes your second instrument with it. So like what I ended up having to do was when the feedback kicked in, I learned how to basically do a dance kind of like thing in front of my 
amp on where to place my mic and how to use my pedals at the same time to get different notes and harmonics yeah, to in, speak in, in the feedback. Inside the feedback. And then learning how to set up your loops because when I was doing it, we didn't have these nifty loop pedals, you know, where you yeah. could like put Program one in. It. It, was, it, was a, it was a delay pedal yeah. that you used as a, a loop. A loop. As so a loop. it was very, very uh, difficult. Yeah. I did that with Savad and Ghost Car. Okay. I, I put all that music up a lot, and nobody ever listens to it. But I, you know, I understand. It's it, you know, it's different, and it's That's you know, stuff. It's it's incredible music, actually. Yeah. It's probably some of the 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 best work artistically that I've ever done in my life, and I don't know that I'll ever do it any better. That's fair. And and luckily, I have several albums out of that. And but Jesus, dude, we're talking the '90s, you know. So I, it would be really cool for me to see, you know, if you guys uh, would add, you know, the, to kind of get into that electric yeah. acoustic thing, because I think that it adds a whole, a whole nother way for especially young people mm-hmm. to look at their instruments. You know, like a, it's a, different a dynamic, kid in high sure. school or something is like playing the trumpet. It's like, yeah, but you can do this with you it. You could get stuff. all these new modern sounds yeah. with it. And, and there's some really great uh, musicians and bands out there that have popped up in the last... 10 to 15 years that do that. Yeah. And speaking of bands, uh, the, you know, the, the, the big band. Yeah. The, the GQJO, Gaslamp Quarter Jazz Orchestra. Swinging. Swinging like a freight train. Still going. Still you guys are still doing yeah. a, a bunch of great stuff. You were a co-founder. Yes, I was. Of that, along with uh, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Jesse Aldello, Isaac Pastrana, and John Reynolds. John Reynolds. Yep. Yeah, so right. it's it's coming together. We've got a couple more concerts coming up um, here in town. Actually, I have to update the calendar because they all just got confirmed. <laughs> See where this is going. See, I have work to do after this now. <laughs> um, so, but um, but what's cool is like we've all started writing for the band mm-hmm. now, which is really cool. So we're we're getting some some of our own bandmates' perspectives mm-hmm. on how big band charts write. Like Chaz Chaz Cabrera, who's our lead alto player. Right, some of the best charts I've ever seen. He writes beautifully. Jesse writes. Um, he's a second year student, master student at Cal Arts up in Valencia. Fantastic writer. Huge arrangements, beautifully written. Mm-hmm. Large pieces. Um, I write stuff that I mean. I think it's okay. I like it. The guys in the band like it. Um, but I have my own certain. St- everybody has their own certain style, their own sonic identity, which is really cool when we do. Like we have arranged and composed by nights where mm-hmm. we take the arrangements and stuff that only people in the band have written. Right. And then you can see each person's personality in their chart, which is really cool to see. When is, when is the next show for them? Oh. I should have pulled that up. When, do you know when that's coming um, up? I want to say it's Feb- February, me, February 4th, I think. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll nail that down here. Yes. February 4th. February 4th. 66. Once again, Panama 66. Which is turning out to kind of be uh, the new the jazz hub. Spot. Yeah, like right now, mm-hmm. as as we speak, there's a jam session going on over there, yeah. of the the the, uh, the the prolific Gilbert Castellanos. Gilbert Castellanos. Yes. Um, let's talk about Gilbert. Gilbert. He's not here. Nope. He's busy working. He's working. So we'll talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> he's working, man. He's he's doing some great things in this town. Great things, great things, I tell you. We played this chart that was written by John Clayton, which Gilbert plays in the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra. Mm-hmm. He's one of the solo trumpet player chairs. I think he, I don't remember which number it is because I forget where everybody sits. Um, 
but unbelievable band. If you haven't checked them out, you need to. It'll be yeah. a great time. You will never, f- you will never forgive yourself for not listening to these guys sooner. Great writing. We played some other charts in the yeah. Gas well, actually, band. the the chart that we played, Silver Celebration, was the chart that I played in high school. Man, I sweated that chart so bad. Oh, I love that chart. I'm the, sorry. The, the that, was changes, my, that was my fault. There's, there's a, well, there's a break going into the trumpet solo. Yeah. And it right before the break, it turns the beat around. Uh-huh. And it, it flips. It, 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 it screwed with me every, every time. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I, I actually would tell Derek, I'd be like, Derek, give me one. Yeah. Because I'm going to play the break and I'm going to blow it and I, I need to know where one is at. Mm. Otherwise, it's going to be the rest. lost. And, um, and he let me hang, dude. Oh really? <laughs> I think he just forgot or something, yeah, or maybe that, he did. That's I didn't not see Derek's it. style. I think he forgot. And like the first eight bars, I'd be playing like one beat off or something. It yeah. was, it was, it was oh, terrible. Don't sweat. It's good. It, it's jazz. <laughs> it gets, just because it's jazz doesn't mean it's wrong. <laughs> Fair. Fair that. No. So, um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I I grew up and we played that chart. Well, uh-huh. our reference chart was. The our re, well our reference recording because when we ever when we ever got a new tune we'd listen to the recording before we play it and Silver Celebration it was Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra performing it live at MCG in 04, which that was one of Gilbert's first years with the band and that was his solo mm-hmm. and I remember listening to that recording going man that trumpet player is ridiculous I mean if you hear that recording it's it's probably one of the hardest swinging things I've ever heard. And, um, and I remember listening to it and loving the recording of it, but I never could figure out who it was. And I remember after one night of a gig, this was probably two years ago. So it took me a year to figure this out. Even when I was living here, (laughs) um, I was like, yeah, we're doing silver celebration in the big band. I was like, it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. I always listen to this recording of it with Clayton Hamilton jazz orchestra and get, and we're sitting at the red Fox room, which is like the after gig hang. Yeah, I've seen lots of pictures from that place. On this little hole-in-the-wall steak place. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. But Gil looked at me just super nonchalant and was like, oh, yeah, I was the one who played the solo on that. And I just kind of looked at him like, (laughs) are you serious? He's like, like, yeah, that was like my second year with the band. I was like, you're nuts. (laughs) It's like, dude, I've been trying to figure out who that trumpet player was forever, and you're telling me I'm sitting across the table from him. He's like... (laughs) I mean, it was okay, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> shut up. So that was, I mean, but that was the first time like I had gotten to work with Gilbert. And I mean, I owe him so much for for giving me the opportunity to work in this town and showing me the ropes on how to do things the right way. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been very lucky to do that. Um, and going to a session every week has been an incredible experience because it's like, okay, you work on this tune and you work on it and you feel like you have it under control and then you go play it with him. And then you realize you don't have it under control. <laughs> right. And then you try it again. And you realize you still don't have it under control. But yeah. it's, it's, it's getting to the point where my, I feel like I'm much more comfortable and confident in my playing now than what I was three years ago. And listening back to recordings of when I first moved to town to now, it's uh-huh. unbelievable of the amount of growth that I've had. It's, it's very humbling and awe-inspiring especially and the thing is is like it's not just the influence of just playing straight ahead because when i came to (laughs) (laughs) when i came to town when i came to town i was very much just like i'm playing wayne shorter i'm playing john coltrane i'm playing miles davis i'm playing dizzy gillespie charts like Mm -hmm. that's it 
Like I'm playing straight ahead stuff, Herbie, Chick, that type of stuff. I didn't think about like Poncho Sanchez. I didn't think about Tito Puente. I didn't think about uh, Tito Rodriguez. I didn't think about the, the Afro-Cuban side of things. Right. And living in Southern California, you don't have much of a choice. Yeah, and it was really real, ingrained. And it was really funny for some of the guys when I first moved to town because I would go in playing all this, all these Afro-Cuban and Latin charts like a straight-ahead player, and it just did not fit at all. <laughs> and so I had I had to really adjust my playing to work in that realm. And then when you and I in Surefire, it's very much like it's it's very much like an Afrobeat funk band. Mm-hmm. And there's a different style of playing for that. And there's there's multiple different styles of playing for each specific genre. And because I've been trained through os- osmosis, I don't think if that's even the right word for it, but but through experience of it, um, it's really molded my playing into a full like full world style of sound, which I would argue portrays sure. what this city is because it has all those influences in it. Yeah, we're a border town. Yeah, we're all and over so the place. Our, our horizons are expanded. Yeah, I had to be real careful which Wednesday I showed up at the jam sessions because they would alternate between Afro-Cuban, <laughs> Afro-Cuban and straight, straight ahead. ahead. Mm-hmm. And every time, whenever oh, I, I would right show up for the, for the Afro-Cuban stuff, man, you know, like Mike and those guys would just throw me all over the place. You know, I had no, so I had my trick no that I learned for clue where one the was trick at. that I learned, listen to the cowbell. Yeah, that yeah. left foot of Mike Holguin yeah. with that cowbell was brutal, but it never moved. It never yeah. moved. Oh, it was, yeah, they they were rock solid right on. But mm-hmm. like, and it's funny because I could listen to it and follow it, but as soon as I started to actually try to play, like solo, yeah, along it with it, the- I, I would just lose it. Yeah. And it really got to the point where I was just, I was, it was like riding a bull. I would just kind of, it's like, I, I would yeah. just play lines and then hope that hope I landed in the right place. Hope man. it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear that. So, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was the experience that I had of meeting and working with Gilbert over the past couple of years. Like I, I, I was very fortunate. He called me to play with him with his organ quartet mm-hmm. um, up at the Idlewild Jazz at the Pines Festival this past year. So it was Gilbert. Uh, myself, Ryan Shaw, who is the same drummer off my record, and uh, Joe Bag on organ, mm-hmm. unbelievable organ player. Yeah, and we played this festival, and it was—I think it was actually one of the first times I actually got stage fright. And I'll, this is the first time I'm admitting it because I remember with the way Idlewild is set up, the main stage is—it's set into a hill, so the the stage is obviously flat, but it's into a hill that's almost like a fifteen to eighteen percent grade. So when people are sitting on it, you can see the entire person like you can <laughs> lay down on the thing, but like I can still see your feet. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't stack on top of each other. And usually when you play festivals, you just see a sea of heads, right? And it's like, okay, that's cool. But this time, like you're looking up almost 150 feet and you just have people. And it was like, Whoa. And it was like the first time it caught me off guard. <laughs> and there was a split second where I just kind of went, uh, and and Gil looked at me. He's like, "You good?" I was like, I, "I yeah, I think so. I, I think I'm good now." I just wasn't expecting it. He just started laughing. He was like, "Rookie." So I mean, he was. I mean, he's he's like my he's he's a musical brother. I mean, he's he's always he's always been there for me when I needed help. And I mean, I try to be there as best as I can for him when he needs help from me. I don't know what I can give him, but anything that I can, I will. So I'm I'm eternally grateful for. For him and for his his lovely wife Lorraine, who's the singer who I'm working with, 
on Saturday and, and the rest of the San Diego scene, they've, they've really allowed me to come in with open arms and I, I could not have asked for more. Yeah. You kind of landed in with all the right people. I got really lucky. So let's talk about your, your album. Okay. Paradigm shift. Yes. Paradigm. Paradigm. I paradig it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you done paradig. Yeah, man. You've got, you have, uh, uh, Dean Hewlett. Yep. Uh, I should have written this all down. I have a okay. here. Marshall Hawkins played Marshall on some Hawkins of it. Marshall Hawkins was a guest artist. Uh, Gilbert did some playing. Yes. Ryan Shaw. Ryan Shaw did. Uh, Who's the last one? Uh, you? Myself. That's Well, that, I would hope I was on my own record. Uh, <laughs> Ed Kornhauser. Ed, Ed, Ed Kornhauser. Ed Kornhauser. How could I forget Ed? Ed, right. who's on this incredible journey as we speak. Yeah. That, that's like the coolest thing Around ever. the world in 30 that that's crazy, man. That that uh, I, that's so cool that they did that for him. Yeah, Ed is Ed is a sweetheart, man. Ed, Ed is a nice guy. Yeah. So for the people who are listening, our, our good friend Ed Kornhauser just recently celebrated his thirtieth birthday, and put his travel plans in the fate of his friends. Yeah. And by what we call quote unquote the committee, <laughs> um, which is six of his closest friends. Um, they have actually planned an entire trip for him, supposedly around the world. I think right now he's in New Orleans. That's the last I saw. Yeah, that's the last I saw, too. But none of us know where he's going. Is it, so he's literally going around the world? I don't know. We don't know. Wow. We, we don't know. Yeah. Um, this is an unfolding event yeah, on Instagram? on Instagram. So if you follow <laughs> hashtag around the world in 30, 30 years, 2017 as a year number. Yes. You can follow Ed Kornhauser's travels for the next three weeks. And, and I am. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty crazy. I'm tuning in to that yeah, show. Yeah, and there's going to be like Facebook Live posts and, <laughs> and Instagram and all this ridiculousness. But it's, it's going to be a blast. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing and, what And you know doing. what? I really can't think of a better ambassador for the jazz scene of right? San Diego than Ed, Mr. Ed Kornhauser. Ed Kornhauser. <laughs> He's classic. He has oh, that. Yeah, he's, he has that classic look. Super timeless. He is. It's so great to walk in to uh, uh, the the turf club and, right? and see that. <laughs> it's, but the ironic thing is, he's working on an electronic keyboard. Like the only thing that would make it better is if he was playing it in tune upright or a minorly out of tune yeah, upright. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a real piano. A real piano. Yeah. The guy deserves it. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? So. But so yeah, so yeah uh, great album. Thank um, you. But I, we were talking earlier as we were chowing down our euros. You were talking about how it was two years ago, and you kind of run into that 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 artist problem that all progressive, pushing, growing, hungry, burning musicians or artists find themselves, and that is my work is out, but now I'm way past it. Yeah, I mean, I it's not that I'm past it; it's just I've grown. I mean, I, I like you, it as a time marker for where it was. The, your the, sound has changed. It has changed, absolutely. Yeah. My ideas have changed. Yeah, it's gotten better. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're kidding that it's gotten better. Appreciate that. No, no, no it's just it's, changed. It's, it's different. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a different approach. Um, yeah. Killer album, by the way. Just, thank you. Yeah, you guys and, should go find it. Yeah, if, if you do want to purchase it, you can actually purchase it through my website. And there is a little red link at the bottom of the welcome page that says the store. And if you order it, I will actually ship you the entire CD and artwork and everything. Um, Cause I, I tried to do it so I can get rid of all the CDs as much as possible. And what's beautiful <laughs> about it is it supports every person that has touched that record, except for one master. The guy who mastered the record was actually my sound engineer from college in North Carolina, huh. but everybody else that worked on that record are all Southern California or San Diego natives. 
Gilbert San Diego, Ed Kornhauser mm-hmm. San Diego. Ryan was Poway before he went to USC and is killing it up at USC right now. Mm-hmm. Dean just moved from Cleveland, so he was in my stomping grounds and then moved out here. So he's now in San Diego. Um, Marshall Hawkins is from Idlewild. Mm-hmm. Laurent Kramer, who did all the photography, um, is from here. He's currently a mechanical engineer on a ship in Florida. Mm. So um, that goes back to his uh, Navy days. Um, and uh, I think it was with Switzerland. He'll probably kill me if I get that wrong. Um, and then um, uh, Ben Moore from Singing Serpent in San Diego did all the mixing. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I mean, it's just so it, the, what was cool about that project is I tried to keep it. And Steven Slide did all of the graphic design, who is an artist here. So everybody that touched that record except Bill was San Diego. Everybody. And right. I wanted to keep it that way. So when you buy the record, it supports all of those guys. Nice. So that's what's cool about it. Yeah. Homegrown. Mm-hmm. Grassroots. Mm-hmm. San Diego. So, yep. And the cool thing about that re- record is that it was all recorded live. Nobody was in isolation. And we never did more than two takes on the record. So you did track. it. You did it kind of the 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 old uh, Rudy Van Gelder Rudy way. Rudy Van Gelder mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Everybody was in the same room, and we did the entire record, which is eight tracks. We did it top to bottom in six and a half hours. There you go. So one session, and then we just felt the moment, and it was it was fantastic. Nice. So. And you're still performing these tunes with your with your quartet. With my quartet, uh huh. Yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes the personnel changes from time to time. Like obviously, Ed's. Touring the world, so right. I can't use Ed. Ed's right. doing Ed things. Um, <laughs> but I've been using a new uh, pianist in town named Hugo Suarez, who's fantastic. I oh, love I working with him. Yeah, Hugo's a bad go. man. Um, another young up-and-comer. Um, and then, I mean, I've been rotating Johnny Steele, Tyler Crittell on drums. I've been mm-hmm. using Dean Hewlett and Doug Walker at bass, so I've been rotating them. So um, I actually do have a couple charts that I did write a, a second part to, or a, rather a first part to. So okay. we'll get to that. But um, yeah, but I mean, the thing was, is like with, with my record is, um, I mean, I still have plenty of them available. <laughs> I mean, I use them. I use them for promotional stuff a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I'd still do take them to gigs. And I, every once in a while, I get one or two people that'll purchase them. Um, so but, if you're listening out there, but buy this thing because he needs more space in his closet. Yeah, I do. I do. It's a lot of boxes right now. <laughs> Derek needs more room in one of the closets in the, uh, right. in the hallway. So, um, no, but it's, it's, I'm very proud of the record. I'm very proud of what it turned out to be, especially for the first one that's self-produced. And the entire record process from top to bottom was under six months, which from what I hear is unheard of. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and five of the tunes on there are originals of mine, and three of them are tunes that I like to play. Yeah. So it came out all right. All right. And with that, um, we're going to uh, wrap this up here, and I just kind of want to go back and say, uh, if you want to find out more about Rob and his work, you can find him at uh, robdovejazz.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter at at rdjazz9013. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at rdjazz726, and uh, if you're into this Reverb Nation still, I can't even believe that's still around. He's got a Reverb Nation site uh, forward slash Robert Dove, and uh, you had another site that I didn't find, right? Just was my that Facebook. It? Just your Facebook. Just my Facebook. My book of faces. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. Facebook. Facebook. No, and, I, have an, uh, I have an artist page, but I would rather have you uh, join my personal page. I think that's cool. Because then you get to see, 
you get to you get to see the other side of the person behind the horn. <laughs> so I have a big philosophy of it's practice and unpractice. Practice is the time that you spend with your instrument and you spend with the people that you're rehearsing with for playing music together. But the unpractice is where you take time and go do something. So, Like come up to my house in the mountains and hang out with me. Which I will. <laughs> you have it on recording. It's there. Um, I'm hoping to get over to Panama 66 and kind of do one of these there. Yeah, uh, maybe hang out at the jam session and do Be a little fun. podcast from, from yeah. there, you know. Take this thing on the road. Do it. Uh, and so I like to thank uh, the Nardcast.com uh, and Gennard over there doing all the great stuff he does for the local scene. He's gonna, he's our, our host. Thank you, sir. Uh, we appreciate all your hard work. And um, so this is going to wrap up the very first opening episode of, of uh, The Bread Box with Gabriel Wolf. That's me. Boom. You didn't know? Now you know. <laughs> you may have heard. You may have heard the word. And uh, thank you, Rob, for, for coming and hanging out. Um, it was fun getting a Euro and, 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 and wagging our gums at each other right and, and doing this. And, and um, that's it, folks. Right on. Have a good one. All right. Over and out. See you on the flip side.